Hello, friends, and welcome to episode seven of Did You Bring the Hummus podcast. I'm Kimberly, your host, and I'm super excited to be here with you today. Did You Bring the Hummus is a podcast to help you go vegan. Every two weeks, I'll share a 20 to 40 minute episode discussing all things vegan. Most importantly, we'll talk about how to embrace this meaningful decision with fervor and fun. Episodes post every other Monday on your favorite podcast app. Before we get started, I have one very important question for you. Did you bring the hummus? At some point in your vegan journey, you will discover a product you bought without thoroughly reading the label, or maybe even one you could have sworn was vegan, but actually has animal products in it. It is a sobering moment and a reminder that we can't know everything. We don't yet live in a vegan world. There's always an opportunity to learn, and we can be imperfect and still be vegan. In these moments, it's about your intent, if you ask me anyway. So, what are some of the tricky ingredients you may not realize are hidden in everyday products? Though I have been at this for a very long time, I still did some research before putting this podcast together. And both in my experience as a vegan myself, and then also through my research, I realized, wow, there are a lot of ways to sneak animal products into food and everyday products. Since I won't be able to cover everything today, be on the lookout for future episodes addressing other hidden ingredients. Let's take a look at some of them now. I would like to start with one that isn't usually a hidden ingredient, but that some people don't understand isn't vegan. Honey. Bees make honey to feed their hives. When humans take that honey, it is often replaced with a much less nutritious sugar water. That's hardly going to help bees live their best bee life. Anytime we use another sentient being for our own purposes, we are exploiting that creature. Exploitation of another being is not within the definition or the philosophy of veganism. So for that reason, honey is not vegan. Just as with factory farming and slaughterhouses, the goal is maximum profit for minimum output. That means that the bees are overworked and underfed. I don't have many personal suggestions on how to replace honey since I was never a big honey consumer to begin with, but I do know that you can find honey made from apples, and that's pretty cool. You can also use, instead of honey, brown rice syrup, molasses, maple syrup. There's tons of other sweeteners out there made without exploiting animals. On a website touting the amazing properties of honey, I found a meme which read the following. Every drop of honey is precious. A honeybee makes one-twelfth of a teaspoon of honey in its lifetime. To make a pound of honey, bees must visit 200,000 flowers. Hardly sounds like a product they're making for humans, not for themselves. Can you imagine spending so much of your life focused on creating this one little thing 
to help your family and those around you in your community to keep them nourished, to keep them alive. You do all this work and then someone else just swoops in and takes what you've created. Sure, they're going to give you something in return, but it's a lesser quality. It's not as nourishing. It's more detrimental than helpful. How does that feel to you? While we're talking about bees, let's cover beeswax quickly too. Beeswax is created by worker bees. The bees, they go out and they forage for pollen and nectar, and they pass the nectar and the honey to other bees who can process it, they consume it, and turn it into wax. Honeybees need huge amounts of nectar in order to produce that wax. Another website that I looked at said that a bee will actually eat six to eight pounds of honey just to make one pound of beeswax. The wax is what helps build the hive. That beautiful, hexagonal, perfect, geometric hive is made up of beeswax. The beeswax itself is excreted through special glands in the bees and the wax will start out as small flakes, but then shaped and molded by the bees as they put everything together. They work with one another to get that beeswax in place to create what we know as the beehive. Isn't that something? That's so incredible. They're so perfect, these hives and the, the hexagonal shapes and I'm just I'm just just thinking about it I'm in awe of what these little creatures are able to do and create and humans just come in and they just scrape it out and act like they've done nothing wrong like like the bees have made this beeswax for us it hardly seems right the bees are, are creating this, this wax to make, to make their home, to store their food, to keep themselves safe. And we want to harvest it to make lip balm. I don't know. It seems absurd. Absolutely absurd to me. Other words to look out for when you are avoiding products made by bees for bees, by the way. Um, there's also bee pollen, which is in a ton of weight loss stuff these days. Um, and royal jelly, propolis. Uh, these are all words that you want to look out for. So if you see, you know, beeswax, bee pollen, royal jelly, propolis, uh, or honey, obviously, you, you'll want to avoid all of those products. Those products are not vegan. And honey will show up in everything from cereal to, to, to teas to um, bread. So many times I thought, oh, this bread sounds great. And I get through, I get through the, the ingredients list and then there's honey and I have to put it back. 
So keep an eye out again for honey, beeswax, bee pollen, royal jelly, and propolis. Another item that will show up in products and you will read the label and likely ask out loud, why is there milk in this? Potato chips. There are potato chips that have milk in them. Why? I don't know. But it, what it does, I, I'm, I'm unclear. If there's a food scientist out there listening to this right now who would like to explain to us why milk shows up in things like potato chips, I'd, I'd love, to, and I'm not talking about cheese flavored potato chips. That makes sense to me. It says it's cheese flavored. There's milk in it. I can put that together. But there, there's one that I can think of. I can't think of the brand, but it's definitely, definitely a salt and pepper potato chip, which, oh my gosh, that sounds so good. Salty, spicy, wonderful milk. Why? I don't understand. Anyway, putting that out there, if there's a food scientist who would like to come on and explain to us exactly why we put milk in things that absolutely do not need milk, I would love, love to hear that. And I think all the listeners uh, would, would benefit as well. Milk products are not just listed as milk. Casein is a milk derivative. Caseinate is a version of that milk derivative. Whey, that's a big one. You find that in so many things from protein powders um, and not just the ones that say whey in huge letters on the front. Uh, protein powders, cookies, crackers, cereal, bread. Uh, keep an eye out for, for, those, for those words. Galactose, that's another one. That is a milk derivative. Items that say non-dairy, that does not mean vegan. Flip it over, read that label. There's likely casein or whey in the product. Uh, there is, I guess, like a, a percentage of, of a milk derivative that can still be used in like non-dairy creamers and stuff because it's not just a dairy-based thing somehow um, without the actual milk in it, I guess. That allows them to be dairy-free, but but don't take those words to mean that you can that it's vegan and that you should just buy a product and and not read the ingredients. Always read the ingredients. I have definitely been fooled by uh, what I thought were were vegan cheeses. Everything about the cheese screamed, "I'm vegan," and then I get. Um, you know, I flip it over and I read the ingredients and I, I see that there's casein in it. And there have even been, um, there was an almond milk cheese that came out years ago. And I, I don't know if I missed the word casein in the ingredients uh, or, or if I just, just took, at, took it at face value that it was vegan. But I brought it home and when I went to make something with it, you know, I was opening the package. I looked at the ingredients again and saw there was casein in it. So I didn't eat it. Uh, I'm pretty sure that I gave it over to someone who would, um, who, who would eat, you know, cow cheese. So having casein in the almond milk cheese was not, um, was not an issue for them. 
So it, it's easy to be, to be tricked. And sometimes, let me not say tricked. I'll, I take that. It's easy to miss or to assume, right? If we're in the grocery store and we know that you know, chow cheese, follow your heart, diet, we know those are vegan. And then we see a new cheese or one like go veggie. I don't know if everything in their line is vegan now, but it wasn't always. I've definitely picked up some go veggie that actually was vegetarian, not vegan. But we can we can so easily kind of fall into that comfort, right? We know that, like I said, those chow, follow your heart, Daya, uh, that those are Kite Hill. We know those are vegan. So we'll just pick up from there. And then you see, oh, look at this new cheese over here by all the vegan cheese. And then you just kind of feel comfortable. So you pick it up and you take it home and you don't read the label. So it's really important uh, because... Because, man, do they put milk derivatives in so many things. You can even find it in chewing gum. That's really important to check because there's almost always casein in, or casein in the, the gum that, um, that I've seen, you know, in a regular grocery or convenience store. Uh, bread, again, it looks great, right? So many of the ingredients can be just fine. And then you get to, you know, the middle and there's a way or, or casein. Um, so just keep an eye out. And by the way, latex gloves have, I think, whey in them. Why? What? <laughs> Is it the powder inside and they mix it in with the powder? I'm really, I'm not sure, but I was surprised to, I was surprised to read that. Next up is confectioner's glaze. Uh, often found on candy. It's also known as shellac, and it's made from the secretions of a lac bug. So the lac bug eats bark from the tree, and they're found in Indonesia and Thailand. And they, uh, they eat the bark from the tree, and it, um, they are able to secrete shellac, uh, and the, the female lac bugs use this to protect their eggs. So again, like honey and beeswax is made by bees for bees and milk is made by cows for cows. Shellac or confectioner's glaze is made by lac bugs for lac bug, lac bug eggs. The way that it's harvested is that humans will go in and scrape the, the shellac off of the, the trees. Makes you wonder how many of those lac bug eggs also wound up, wind up in, in the shellac that's being harvested. And I'm sorry, they feed on uh, the sap from trees, not, not the bark. Um, they feed on the sap from local trees in Indonesia and Thailand, and then they secrete the shellac onto, um, you know, to protect their eggs. <clears throat> The secretions, when they're scraped off the trees, they're dissolved in like an ethanol mix, um, which also probably means that um, eggs and maybe even the mama lac bug herself, um, you know, there's risk that, that they're being dissolved in that ethanol mix as well. So again, you know, looking back at the honey, this shellac is another um, example of 
exploiting a creature by using something that that's been made for their own species to protect their own um, community and it's being taken by us and used for our own convenience then there's gelatin i think this is another one like the casein and milk products that will surprise you when you realize how many different things have gelatin in them pop tarts that was the one that made me sad um i always loved i always loved pop tarts but i've really loved the brown cinnamon pop tarts without the icing those brown cinnamon pop tarts they're just not the same and within the icing on every single iced Pop-Tart, there's gelatin. You also will find gelatin in marshmallows, in cereals, lots of candies. Jello is made from gelatin. Gelatin, by the way, is um, a product that is made by boiling hooves, tendons, ligaments, and bones together to pull out that to make a gelatinous goo, I guess. Um, it's mostly made from pigs and cows. Obviously a byproduct of factory farming and, you know, a byproduct of the animal agriculture industry. But a popular one, who doesn't love gummy bears and marshmallows, right? Well, the nice thing is, is that there are ingredients that um, can make you know, gummy bear type candies and marshmallows for sure. Dandies makes amazing, amazing vegan marshmallows. So anyway, the boiling of these animal parts, what it does, how it creates that gelatin is that it's releasing the collagen and then the collagen is what gives it that, that jello, um, gelatinous texture. Uh, by the way, gelatin is also used in Altoids. You'll find it in bread sometimes. Uh, jarred peanuts. Watch out. Some of them definitely read the ingredients. If it's not just peanuts, keep going because there's a chance that it's peanuts, salt, and gelatin. I've read that the gelatin makes the, the salt stick better, but I've also had salted peanuts that did not have gelatin on them and they were salted just fine. So I, I wonder if maybe there's just... Um, because it's a byproduct of, of the food industry, if maybe that's why it's used so freely in places where there's really um, no obvious need. Gelatin's not just found in food products. Gelatin is also found in nail polish remover. I guess it's considered a nail strengthener. I'm not really sure, but you can, you can find nail polish remover that does not have gelatin, Again, you have to read, you have to read the ingredients, right? Uh, speaking of items that are not just found in food, uh, we'll move into talking about lanolin next. Lanolin is that waxy substance that's found on wool created by the uh, sheep secreting oil. Uh, it's found in tons of cosmetics, uh, lotions and, and things like that. Uh, but it's also found in food items. I've had people ask me for sure, why, why is wool and wool, why are wool products not okay if the sheep aren't actually being killed? You don't have to kill a sheep in order to get their wool. 
And then the next thing is, aren't they supposed to be shorn anyway? How can this possibly be cruel or exploitative? Well, like everything else in the industry where animals are used uh, for human convenience, they always want less. They always want more for less. So just like with every other animal caught up in the, um, the system, sheep are not looked at as individuals, sentient beings. They're simply a commodity to be used for human benefit. Merino wool is the most popular wool. Uh, Most wool comes from Australia, where it's hot, right? And merino sheep also have a lot of folds in their skin. So what that means is that you get more wool for less sheep. So each sheep, because they have more skin, more folds where wool can grow, they're producing more wool. Also, they've been kind of bred to grow wool faster. Sheep can also be sheared carelessly and sustain injury while they're being sheared. Uh, you know, just think about any time that you have carelessly shaved either your face or your legs, your underarms, some more sensitive areas of your body. And if you're not paying attention or you're trying to go too fast, how many times have you nicked yourself? Think about that, how easy that is to, for that to happen. These, when the workers who are not being paid well, they're expected to work quickly without consideration to who they are working on. Sometimes the sheep will get caught when they're being shorn. Another thing about wool production is called mulesing. So sometimes what can happen is um, if the sheep has been cut while they are being shorn or sometimes their wool is so plentiful that um, urine can get trapped in the wool and attract flies, sheep can suffer from what's called fly strike. What will happen is the flies will land on, on that cut or in the wool where where there's a lot of urine, they're drawn to that, and they'll lay eggs. And now the sheep can end up with uh, with the maggots in in the cuts or, you know, living in their skin, burrowing into their skin. And so what some farmers will do, it's called mulesing, and they will actually cut a piece of from the backside of the sheep and leave an open wound to attract the flies there so they can contain it more easily. And so the flies will go to one place instead of too many places. And so it's easier for the farmers to control. It's really painful. Sheep are sentient beings. They can feel when they've been injured. They can feel when they are infested with bugs. For a sweater, some warm socks, It just, it hardly, for some lotion for your skin, to add some D3 fortification to your orange juice, does that sound worth it to you? Like an even trade-off? Since I just mentioned lanolin in your orange juice, I'll quickly touch on those fortified orange juices. 
Um, you have to definitely keep an eye on, on orange juice, uh, that, that is fortified or anything that doesn't say it's just oranges or, you know, anything with claims on the front of, um, extra vitamins or whatever, make sure that you don't just pick that up and take it home. Um, you wouldn't expect that there would be a need or a way to get animal products into your orange juice, but folks, they've done it. So if they are fortified and they have, um, Omega three is D three is vitamin D three is animal based and often used in fortification of foods. And D three is the one that's made from lanolin or fish oil. D two is the D vitamin that is made from plants. So if you get something with D two in it, you're okay. D three, you'll want to avoid for sure. Next up, anchovies. You'll often find anchovies in Caesar dressing. A lot of the prepackaged Asian sauces that you'll find in your regular grocery stores. It's also in Worcestershire sauce and some barbecue sauces. So you really have to keep an eye out. If you're looking to make Caesar salad dressing, my favorite recipe is from Issa Chandra Moskowitz, Veganomicon. She's my favorite vegan chef, so you're going to hear her name a lot through these podcasts. But uh, in Veganomicon, she has an amazing recipe where you get that tang, really, from the what I guess typically would be anchovies, capers. It really gives you a nice salty tang, and it's just incredible. The, the dressing's amazing. I love it, and I'm think I'm going to have to make some soon. But anyway, I was really shocked by the barbecue sauce. I I did not expect that there would be anchovies ever in barbecue sauce. I always just kind of thought, you know, really molasses and and hickory and and those kinds of flavors were really kind of the the base of the barbecue sauce, and so to find one that had anchovies in it was like, whoa, okay. See, so you're always learning, you're always finding you know, new things. Oddly enough, one of the barbecue sauces I like the most, the name is going to throw you. It's um, bone sucking sauce. Yeah. Yikes. Right. So offensive <laughs> as a vegan, but it's really good. Um, I like that one a lot. And there's no anchovies in that one. Uh, Worcestershire, you can find a couple of vegan versions of that uh but don't don't buy a regular uh, standard brand of Worcestershire because they're all made with anchovies in them and finally for this episode anyway uh want to talk about isinglass which is fish bladder where you'll find that used is in alcoholic beverages mostly beers and wines and a lot of um, a lot of beer is actually vegan. There's a great site that's been up for so long, like I want to say at least a decade, called Barnivore. And you can go to Barnivore and you can either search through their lists or you can actually just type in if you're looking for a specific beer or wine you want to check on that, just type that in. And it will pull it up if they have um, 
if they have the information on their site. And what they do is they'll send they'll send emails or messages to the various companies to inquire about you know what on what of which ones which of their products are vegan and uh, which ones are not so that they can kind of make sure that that people know um, which ones are are vegan friendly and which ones are not isinglass is not actually an ingredient that is in the um, beer or wine but it's used to filter it so while you won't find isinglass as an ingredient in any beer or wine that you might be drinking it is still used in the production and so with that there's still an exploitation there there's still an animal being killed and part of its body being used for another purpose so uh, again that would make it not vegan also, while we're talking about alcohol, eggs, sometimes you'll find eggs in alcoholic beverages. That came as a, a real surprise to me. Uh, when I first uh, turned 21, I was, I was vegetarian. My favorite drink was an Amaretta Sour. The sour mix has egg whites in it. So needless to say, once I went vegan, I had to stop uh, drinking those. Um, but there's so many beers and and you know wines also contain sulfites and you have to 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 keep an eye out for those and and what I'll do is I'll I'll share a link to Barnivore and you can find your favorite um beers and wines and and get some more um detailed information about those. Another exciting thing is that Guinness stopped using Isinglass in uh the the production of their beer. So uh, vegans rejoice. Guinness is now an option for us. I know that this is a lot of information to take in. And sometimes thinking about being vegan in a non-vegan world can be so overwhelming. While it is a lot of information, it's also a beautiful and powerful way to make a difference in the world every single day multiple times a day. So I encourage you to keep learning, keep growing, keep trying new vegan foods, keep listening to this podcast, send me questions, there's something you want to hear about, I'd love to hear from you. I hope you found this episode inspiring and informative. I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.